cheese curd in your mouth and your cold brew in your mug because it's time for another week of Midwesterners. I am Chad Coffin. And I'm Brian Stoffel. And we're welcoming you back to another week. Before we get into anything, there was some sad news that came from this week in the form of one of the greatest guitarists of all time, classic rock legend Eddie Van Halen has passed away. I didn't even know if he had stage four lung cancer. I don't keep tabs a whole lot on musicians and whatnot, so I didn't know that he even had this, but I guess this is something that he's been struggling for years now. Died at 65. They talked about how he's been fighting this for a while, at least the articles that I read, how he's been fighting this for a while, like ups and downs of it. The one thing that one article said was like because of because it's lung cancer that he had, and it said that it was not only from his smoking, but also due to the fact that like every time they were live for every performance, he would have a metal guitar pick in his mouth, and like he lost half of his tongue. I don't know how much of that is true or not, but like again, that's it's it's a shame to hear about this kind of stuff with such a legend. I never got to see him live, but I've heard stories, especially over the last 24 hours, about how he would, like, go on, like, 20-minute guitar solos and play until, like, his fingers were bleeding and he'd play with his teeth. So to, to a point, like, saying about these epic guitar solos, the fact that Eruption is a title track and is, like, a track on their album, Eruption is technically an opening to You Really Got Me Now but they make it a separate track on their albums, and it's just literally a full-length song of Eddie shredding. And it's just as, if not more, iconic than You Really Got Me. Exactly. Oh, I would play Eruption a thousand times before I'd play You Really Got Me Now. So I brought this up to my boy today. I said, hey, man, just so you know, this happened. I said, you know, you might not know the name, but you definitely would recognize some of the music. And while whether cryptic or hopeful, he said... Now this is going to sound like one of those bullshit Karens on the internet, like, my son said a wolf, whatever. But I honest to God, we're sitting at the dinner table, and he said this, he goes, you know, the good news is, is that if they play a song, and then the next day they die, that song is still there. I realize this sounds like some bullshit that some Karen or some parent is spewing on the internet. I'm not going to lie to my fans. I would not bring it up. I'm not going to pretend to make some bullshit up. My boy said this, and I'm like, holy crap. <laughs> I'm just like, it puts everything in perspective, because it's like, man, it stinks that this person goes away. It sucks that this director dies or this comic book creator dies, but it's like, no matter what, their creation lives on forever. That's some profound thoughts coming from your son, especially with how young he is, too, you well, know? And it's some bullshit, too, because it's like, immediately after that comment, it's like, these carrots don't taste good. I'm like... <laughs> Dude, <laughs> live in the moment for seven seconds, please. Like, can I have this for a moment? Yeah, no, it was, he said it, I'm like, uh, yeah, I get, you know what I mean? In my moment, I'm like, man, Eddie Van Halen's gone, he'll never produce again. And he's thinking, like, for a seven-year-old, he's like, 
Think about all the music that he's produced over his entire career. Obviously not saying this out loud and not even thinking this, but what he has to say is like, everything he's ever created will never go away. It's the same thing. Everything Stanley was ever a part of never goes away. Everything Chadwick Boseman was a part of never goes away. These things never disappear. They'll always be here. It was kind of nice to to listen to the radio today. Like every rock station was just pretty much playing Van Halen all day. Kicking out some serious tributes. Some sad news. Legend gone too soon, but nevertheless, like your son said, his legacy will live on. Speaking of legacies, where you can find ours is at MidwesternNerds on Twitter and Instagram, MidwesternNerds.com. Remember that's M-I-D-W-E-S-T-E-R-N-E-R-D-S. The MidwesternNerds podcast on Facebook. You can hit us up directly, MidwesternNerds at gmail.com. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Anchor, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Music, Amazon Prime Music, whatever they call it. Please take some time, rate, and review us. I can tell you right now that some of our fans, some of our listeners have taken some time to give us some reviews. We currently, as the Midwesterners, have 17 five-star ratings. Do you want to know how many four-star ratings we have? None. Do you want to know how many three-star ratings we have? None. Two? Oh. One? None. Sorry. I was misleading with that. You were. Four, three, two, (laughs) one, none. We have all five-star ratings. 17 for our little baby podcast. That's pretty sweet to hear some awesome things. Great high-energy podcast. Chad and Brian have great chemistry. We'll use them as a resource for all my movie choices. Can't wait till the next episode. Who doesn't love super nerds? It's like listening to your friends debate both old and new TV and movies. Love it. If you love all things nerd, this is a great podcast for you. Great content in every episode. People love us. Hopefully you guys love us. Get out there and give us some reviews. It really feeds our egos, which is awesome to keep giving back to the podcast. But it also gets us out there for more people on those streaming services where they can find us. Our first topic of news this week follows a similar trend that we had in a previous episode of who asked for this, but we're getting it anyway. It was reported last week, this week. Time is irrelevant to me at this point with everything going on, but it's been announced recently that the Lion King live action movie is getting a sequel. John Favreau? Not John Favreau. Oh, never mind. Director Barry Jenkins is taking over this movie. He's most known for the Oscar-winning movie Moonlight. So you got a Best Picture winner director that's coming in on board. It's not bad news. The writer for this movie is the same as the writer for the first movie, which didn't even know there was another writer because it was basically the same movie as the animated movie, give or take. This second movie is not following the trend of the animated movies anymore. Because there was a Lion King 2, Simba's Pride, that followed... Kiava and Kovu. It's not following that. Don't tell my wife. She's furious. It's been deemed not a prequel, but it's going to be going back in time and focusing on Mufasa's origin. No, wait. Now they're doing Lion King 1 and a half? You remember Lion King one and a half? I do remember Timon and Pumbaa's origin story. Maybe they're like fooling us, and that's what they're doing. Maybe. Either way, 
again, who is asking for this movie? I get that the first live-action Lion King movie made over a billion dollars, so Disney is like, well, we have a billion-dollar franchise on our hands. Let's crank them out until we bleed this well dry. But from what I remember of the responses to that first movie, not a whole lot of people liked it. So, here's all I'll give you. The movie was fine. I think it followed the original enough that a lot of original fans and then kids were like, oh, this is so cool. Like, look at how real the lions are. I hated the just forceful fisting of Beyonce into this movie. Like, let's <laughs> give her a song. Lionesses attack. They put way too much Nala into this movie just because they got Beyonce. You could have taken Beyonce and used her for the exact role of Nala from the original animated movie and then used her for songs like Can You Feel the Love Tonight with her and Donald Glover were phenomenal. I loved it. Loved it with them in it. Especially throwing uh, Billy Eichner and Seth Rogen in as Timon and Pumbaa. The, the music was awesome. But then you just shove like an original song by Beyonce, which was not good. You add some extra lines that were not necessary in the movie. Now I'm interested to see what happens because they're not following Lion King 2. And actually there's a huge, like, dare I say, cult following of Lion King 2. Of a lot of kids and moms and young mom, you know, that follow that Karen Kovu. Because Lion King 2 is good. While it didn't do as well in the box office as the 1993 classic, it's a movie that was great. So now I'm very curious to see, especially... If they're going to force more Beyonce down my gullet. That's if she's even coming back. They haven't confirmed whether or not the full cast or if anybody from the previous movie is coming back. I mean, I would hope that they would. Especially since it's going to be like a direct sequel. I was one of those people that didn't really like the live action movie. I felt a lot of the performances. And when I say performances, I do it with air quotes because it was all cg but the voice performances i felt were very lazy i felt like the majority of the cast was just kind of reading their lines and not really putting much into it i will agree with that in the exception of three people james earl jones billy eichner seth Rogen, and that i can agree with i all was right. just you cut me off when i was about to <laughs> sorry start. i was like no wait <laughs> timon and puma definitely stole the movie it felt like a trudge to get to when they finally came in and then it was like okay good we got Dude, some it was full on rocket <laughs> it was full on rocketing Groot from guardians where it's like this movie's fine but we love them right oh my god they were they were awesome so hopefully with this moonlight director we get a little bit more direction into the actual acting of it Hopefully we can get a little bit more expressions, too, from our animals. Because I get it's cool to see realism, but when there's no emotions portrayed on the face and there's barely any emotions that are coming out as far as the voice goes, it comes off as, like, very boring for me. Disney relies on big eyes and big emotes, and they did not get it from this CGI. Just, just tweak it a little bit, and it could be that much better. So... The single black mark on John Favreau's record is a billion dollar box office hit. Right? <laughs> we'll let it pass. In Favreau, we trust. I'm just glad that the reason he's not coming back to this is because he's too busy doing Mandalorian. 
this isn't one of our news stories, but it was announced this week that he's, other than like two episodes, he wrote the majority of the episodes in season two, and he's been very hands-on with that, so... The fact that he's in there creating, directing, pr- executive producing, and we already knew he was going to be a huge part of it, but then when the news came out that he penned a minimum of six full episodes, which means that six full episodes are John Favreau only, that doesn't mean that the rest of them aren't at least overseen by him. So it makes me even more excited for October 30th. If you had to come up to me and be like, he can only do one, Lion King or Mandalorian, uh, definitely giving it to Mandalorian. So. I would <laughs> rather you erase the Lion King lineage out of my brain just to have the Mandalorian. <laughs> yes. If those were the options. Yes. We've talked about many times outside of the podcast how the Mandalorian is probably some of the best Star Wars since the original. So Probably the best Star Wars in the last two decades. Absolutely. So give us more... Give us more with John Favreau, and that's the way it's going. Uh, to continue on with news, more things were announced this past week, including two castings for Marvel projects. One being She-Hulk. We finally got our Jennifer Walters casting of Tatiana Maslany. She is most God bless known. You. <laughs> Yes, I apologize if I'm butchering any names, but she was best known for the series Orphan Black. She was the main character who was clones in that show, so she played a lot of different variations of the same character. Uh, Shows a lot of her acting talent right there. She's also recently been in HBO's Perry Mason. She was in the movie Stronger with Jake Gyllenhaal and... She was also in a little show that you told me about. I kind of forgot that she made a small cameo in this show. few episodes of Parks and Rec. She plays Nadia. She shows up to file um, some forms for Doctors Without Borders, D's Without B's, as Azine Zazari would say. She is the short-lived girlfriend of Tom Haberford, otherwise Aziz Hanzari. I think she shows up for a max of three episodes. But when I first saw the casting, I was like, I recognize that face. And then I realized that's where I knew it from, which is not fair to her because she's a huge player in Orphan Black. And I'm sitting here as a guy who claims to know a lot of pop culture. I'm like, that's the girl from, pa- from Parks and Rec. She, she turned over in her bed like, how fucking dare you? That's okay. I recognized her from Orphan Black, but not because of the TV show. I recognized her from Orphan Black because it's a British show. So I would see all the commercials and stuff with anything Doctor Who of Orphan Black. So I was like, that's where I recognize that face. (laughs) Uh, We also had an announcement this week that we have news about a live action Miss Marvel. We finally got a casting of Iman Vellani. I don't think she's done anything significant before this role, so she's uh, up and coming, some fresh talent. It's always nice to see that every once in a while. There is one thing that I saw around this announcement. She was not a fan of Brie Larson in Captain Marvel. She (laughs) had a tweet on Twitter around the time when that movie came out, and it was... I don't remember its exact wordings, but it was pretty much like Brie Larson and Captain Marvel, not about it. (laughs) I don't think it's a very 
healthy comment to make, or I guess to get found out about you when you're supposed to be taking on the helm of Miss Marvel. Very well, Captain Marvel and Miss Marvel are two very different characters, but when they're being birthed in the universe at the same time, you can't bury the actress or the character that very well could be the new Captain America for the Avengers for the next decade. Especially since... For anybody who's not familiar with the current Miss Marvel, which is what the Disney Plus show is going to be portraying, Miss Marvel very much looks up to Captain Marvel as an idol and takes on the Miss Marvel mantle because Carol Danvers, before becoming Captain Marvel, was Miss Marvel. So if she's not a fan of the actress playing Captain Marvel in real life, you're going to see some either really good or really bad acting to portray this character that's looking up to this other person as diligently as they do in the source material. And our last bit of news for the week to continue on the Marvel train, Jamie Foxx, who played Electro in a very, very, very terrible Spider-Man movie, is coming back to play Electro in the new Spider-Man movies. You know, it's it's weird how awfully you speak of the Amazing Spider-Man movies, because I would say that they're better than the uh, Tobey Maguire ones. The Amazing Spider-Man 1 was a decent movie. I will give you that. I could take the Amazing Spider-Man 2, and there's good moments in that movie. Okay. But I could take out all the good moments, edit them together into one thing, and it would probably be 20 minutes long out of a two and a half hour movie. Just about to say a 20 minute segment. Yup. I I did not care for the majority of that movie. I think the main problem with that movie is, and now we're going to get on a tangent here, is they tried to plug so much source material into one movie. Even the main, the main villain, Electro wasn't even the main villain by the end of the movie so they used so many different pieces and you saw three big spider-man villains in one movie electro the green goblin and rhino and none of them were done justice you did two and a half hours and had three important villains in one movie well that's and because never they did tried nothing they tried to cram together like five different movies and storylines into one two and, and a half they even movie. took time to tease a future movie because they showed all the sinister sticks in the uh, the basement of the Osborne uh, Tower. And then that didn't happen because of how bad that movie ended up. Also, being. Electro was blue. <laughs> why was Electro blue? I don't know why he was blue. I don't know why they took electric eels. Electric eels. I don't know why they were like, hey, you know that movie Batman Forever with Jim Carrey? We're going to have electro's start before he becomes electro be very similar to jim carrey's edward nigma before he became the riddler again all decisions that you just scratch your head and you're like why why but now he's back or he's coming back i should say to the marvel movies as the same character but in better hands with kevin feige and the people at Sony who seem to be doing a lot better job with Spider-Man than they were doing, gosh, that movie was probably close to 10 years ago already. It's been reported that he's in final talks to be in the movie. A lot of people are speculating whether or not that's gonna we're going to get like a live-action Spider-Verse movie for the third movie with Tom Holland and Andrew Garfield and like 
Tobey Maguire all coming back to be like Spider-Man and like if Jamie Foxx then as Electro is going to be like the Amazing Spider-Man 2 Electro or not. He has come out on the internet though to say that this time around he's not going to be blue. The rumors that have been flying about an Into the Spider-Verse live action sequel with like you said, Tobey Maguire, Tom Holland, and Andrew Garfield have been swirling for years. And now that we all the rights are out there in the right places, that they can be used correctly, there is a very good possibility for this. And you loop back in characters like, hey, guess what? We had Batrock the Leaper in an MCU movie. Let's bring in the UFC fighter who came on as Batrock the Leaper who fought Captain America in Winter Soldier. You have other Spider-Man villains who have popped up here and there. But again, the Green Goblin, even if we can kick it all the way back, could you imagine if they could get James Franco and then Willem Dafoe to come back? And then you get the guy who played the Sandman. Even you play the guy from um, uh, Big Fat Liar to do the Rhino again. Like You just pick and choose these guys and pull them back in, but just do them right. Like Pick those guys back, pull them in, but just pretend that all the other stuff never happened and make this movie right it could be endless possible i mean if you're doing like a multiverse movie you could easily pick those characters out of those different universes and bring them together as one or you could just be like like you were saying these people have been in these movies before kind of like what they did with jameson and um jk simmons like the audience recognizes this actor as this character let's bring this actor back to play the same character, but a different portrayal of them. Did you hear for a single second anyone anywhere on the internet in real life that was like, that's not the same J. Jonah Jameson from the Tobey Maguire movie. How do you link it? No, not a single person said that. Everyone was just excited to see them, which I would imagine would be the exact same response for a movie like this. And I mean, especially with the world that we're in today, you would need a big type of Spider-Verse movie to really bring audiences back to the theaters to keep the theaters alive, which is bringing us into our last story of the week, our last news story of the week, and into our main topic. Regal Cinemas has announced that starting on Thursday of this week, so yesterday for you listeners. Tomorrow from right now, but yesterday we're from not when gonna, you hear this. We're not going to co- try to confuse <laughs> our audiences every single week, Chad. It's my so, favorite thing to do. Don't cut away from me. <laughs> so Regal Cinemas has announced that starting yesterday. For you, but tomorrow for us. Starting yesterday, they are going to be shutting their doors again due to COVID-19. And the pin that kind of broke the camel's back on this was the fact that James Bond is now moving to next year as well. Lots of movies have been uh, moving around again this week, most of them getting moved to next year. We have a lot of movies that are moving from next year to 2022 and so on and so forth. Right now, there's just currently not enough big movies to draw an audience to the theater. So with Regal announcing that they're going to be shutting their doors, maybe indefinitely. The question that we're bringing to the main topic this week is, what is the fate of the movie theater? Is it going to survive after COVID? Regal being one of the big theater chains out there, it's a little concerning that they're closing their doors and they have hinted that it could be indefinitely due to however long the coronavirus lasts and the fact that there are other things out there like 
video on demand where people can watch brand new movies from their homes. What is the fate of the movie theater? Movies like Tenet, which usually would be hundreds of millions of dollars, if not billions of dollars in movie revenues right now with the coronavirus Warner Brothers thought Tenet's going to be the one to bring back the movie theater. It's going to be that one movie that people are going to want to go out and see in the movie theater. It only made $20 million in the U.S., and right now it's only at $350 million worldwide. Surprising that a movie was not what got people to fight back against a deadly virus. Exactly. I mean, take us out of a COVID world and back into the regular world, and this movie should have made... 350 million dollars in like the first two weeks not like the first three months and then you have movies like bill and ted that were coming out into theaters but weren't expected to make a lot in the theater which currently they haven't made too much they're right now around three million dollars but video on demand has got them up to 30 million dollars on there You also saw the success of the Trolls World Tour earlier in the year and Scoob, how those movies came to video on demand instead of a theatrical release and did well enough there. Do you think the theater is going to survive the COVID? Do you want to know how I feel about the theater right now or how I feel about the theater in the future? Both. Okay. The theater cannot be successful right now, whether it's Regal, whether it's Marcus, whether whatever you may do. If it's the Chinese theater down in L.A., you can't be successful right now because there is not a big enough audience. While there is a large audience that thinks that this virus is not a big deal and thinks the problems that we face as a country is not that big of a deal, there is a much larger populace that says, okay, be safe and stay at home and watch some movie we've seen on Netflix a hundred times or off our DVD rack versus go to the theaters and possibly risk my wife, child, husband, mother, grandfather to see a movie we want to see and put them at risk to contract a virus that may kill them. We've seen in the last few weeks, and again, we've talked about this before, this is not a political podcast. This is not a stance-taking podcast. This virus takes no prisoners. Our president got the virus. Like, there's no one is safe from this virus. It, it is a virus. That's how it works. To go to the theater and see Bill and Ted versus seeing it at home to be safe is that balance. I can tell you in this household, one kid at the time now, too, we watched Trolls. We watched Scoob. Like, the, those were bought for this house. One of the movies, and, and maybe it was because... How they approach the movie, Mulan, a $30 buy on Disney Plus for a movie that did not follow the original storyline. No singing, no cricket, no mushu. We didn't buy that movie. And maybe some people did. I don't have the facts on it. Right now, I think the movie industry is really in trouble. And I think that movie theaters need to stop fighting the movie producers so much because there are so many of those movies that came out even in the spring when they were like, when Scoob was like, well, we're going to come out on video on demand. They're like, well, fine. We're not going to show Universal movies in theaters anymore. That may have been a stance for them. Like, we're going to take money away from you. But it also might have been a divide from the producing companies versus the showing companies. Because, again, like, Scoob did well. Trolls World Tour did well. Like, these movies did well. And, again, kids' movies and things like that may, may change from here or there. But 
I think especially right now until we get this virus figured out until this country and the world goes back to normal quote unquote like Dr. Evil quotations normal I think video on demand is the way to go especially since there's nothing really out there right now I mean like we mentioned Scoob we mentioned Trolls we mentioned Bill and Ted that's been like the majority of the brand new movies that have come out this year and they've only come out this year because of video on demand I would be very sad if the theaters didn't make it past COVID. I have lots of fond memories of going to the theater to seeing to see movies up on the big screen on a screen so big that I couldn't even dream about owning a screen that size like for well, myself. And you can't go away from that because you walk into a movie theater, you smell the popcorn. You know you're going to get that one candy if it's a crunch a bunch, if it's Butterfinger Bites, if it's Skittles. You're going to get that, that butter popcorn. You're going to get that one candy that you love because that trip to the movie theater is like no other. You sit down and now in those leather lounge seats, you kick back in the surround sound with the big screen. There is something that is a draw to the movie theaters, which like we said, if I talk about the right now, the movie theater is dead. But I don't think we can ever take that experience away from future generations once this world that we live in, the pandemic, goes away. I think I think we can eventually get back to that. I'll be the devil's advocate here and bring up the fact that we live in a world where the majority of people watch their entertainment and their content from their phone. From the comfort of their homes, which is what video on demand offers i mean we're a rare breed we enjoy the uh, eccentrics of the big screen the surround sound the theater popcorn all of that stuff whereas like the majority of the people in our world today would rather sit at home on the couch grab the microwave popcorn out of the cupboard the husband or wife picked up candy from Walmart on the way home from work, and now we're all going to sit at home for a much cheaper price right now to well, watch a movie. Well, and two, you take on the negativities of, of the movie industry. Like, all right, it's raining out. You want to go see this movie, all right? You got to get in your car. You got to drive there. However far along you, I mean, I live pretty close. You live pretty close to the movie theater. However far you need to drive to get to your local theater. Then you get there. You gotta wait in line. You get your tickets. Maybe you bought them ahead of time, which you should always do. You scan in, whatever. You go, God forbid you go on a Tuesday. (laughs) It's a $5 Tuesday (laughs) and you're in the line with the the masses. You get in line. You get your snacks. You get in there. And then you sit down. And for goodness sakes, if you got kids, you're sitting down next to somebody who doesn't tell their kids to shut the... And also, uh, uh, prepare yourself for this. Fuck up. Their kids just talk and talk and walk around and do things the whole time the movie's on. And even if you're outside of that and you're watching an adult movie, and oh my god, if somebody shows up to the movie theater with a blanket, I do not know to this day (laughs) why they allow people in movie theaters with blankets. First of all, let's just say point in case, the Colorado shooter. Somebody walks into the dark night with a blanket. That guy didn't even have a blanket, and he concealed multiple firearms coming to a movie theater and killed a bunch of people. 
Okay, let's push that to the side. Let's do the second point. It's disgusting. Blankets, wherever they are in your house, what are they used for? I don't know what they're... This could be a blanket from your teenage son's room where he's hanky-panky all day long under that blanket. Now he takes to the movie theater. They're not spraying and sanitizing those seats every time somebody else is using them. And then, for the third time, for goodness sakes, if he may or may not touch me with that blanket. Now we have a homicide on our hands. I thought you were going to talk about people on their phones. That too! (laughs) But it's just, there's so many variables that go into seeing a movie in theaters. People being on their phones. People talking. I can tell you, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Avengers Endgame, I'm going to give you a huge plot twist right now that you might not want to listen to. I'll give you three seconds to pause it and skip to a different podcast. It's only going to be about 10 seconds. Let's give it 30 seconds. All right. I was at the theater with my wife. The first time she had ever seen Endgame, this woman, this wench next to us had been talking the entire time. She's like, oh my God, oh oh my God. And I'm not joking around that audibly, like during the movie. Oh my God, oh get up, oh no, oh, oh, the whole time. To the point where when the like Thor is getting his head beat down by Thanos, she's like, oh my God, get up, get up. And my wife turned to say something to her. This is two hours into the movie. She's going to say something. She turns to say something. The whole theater goes, (gasps) she missed Captain America holding Molnir on the big screen because the this a thousand words I don't want to say on the podcast because we are not <laughs> rated mature. This monster destroyed for her. Guess what? Never happens at home. Never happens at home. We've seen Endgame ten times in this house. Never once has anyone destroyed that moment for her. Not even the baby. And he cries all the time. <laughs> So there are a lot of pluses for watching movies at home. The one thing that I don't think anybody really considers is the fact that, yes, watching a movie from home right now is cheaper than going to the theater. But if the theaters died off and the studios only had video on demand to get you movies, you can guarantee that that price would go up. You would go from, all right, we're going to let you rent Black Widow for twenty dollars for twenty four hours to you now got to pay fifty plus dollars to see this brand new movie, and it's just balancing it out because you can't say how many people are viewing it. You can't say how many tickets you're buying. You know, so a lot of variables go into it. If you could go in saying video on demand will be the future and it'll be twenty dollars every time you rent it, you're gonna get the Midwestern seal of approval every time. Any movie you want to put up for 20 bucks, we'll approve it. Because we were probably going to pay more going to the theater no matter what. But, like Brian said, there's a really good chance that if everything turns to video on demand, there's no way that's what we're going to be paying every time. So, just like the COVID virus, it's all a variable. It's all a matter of time to see what's going to happen. We want to know, what do you all think? Do you think that the theater is going to survive COVID? Do you think that the world is going to switch from viewing on the big screen to viewing on a smaller screen with video on demand? And just because we're curious, what's the movie that would bring you back out to the theaters for the first time? Let us know on our social media and we'll let you know 
in a future episode what our picks would be. And speaking of viruses, things that come around every week and you can't control but are here now, it's time for the Chadillac Titchy's lead designer and founder, Rose Tesheva, has been professionally involved in production and design of custom apparel for over seven years. She has swept floors, operated printers, embroidery machines, and been the one behind the computer screens and emails making decisions. This girl has done it all. Titchy Apparel only uses premium brand blanks like Champion and American Apparel, so you won't be disappointed by the quality of their products. Guys, I am sitting here right now in my Titchy t-shirt. This is one of the softest t-shirts I have ever worn. Hugs me in all the right places and lets loose in all the other places. All the graphics that are used are completely original and custom made for the brand. Our brand is Midwestern Nerds. It's totally custom, just like Brian and me. One of a kind originals, just like all the titchy original artwork made for their graphics. New products almost weekly. So if you're interested and you're excited about this brand like Brian and I, Head over to www.tichyapparel.com. That's www.tichyapparel.com. And use our promo code NERDS. That's NERDS, as in Brian and I, N E R D S, for 10% off your entire order. This discount does expire October 30th, so make sure to get over to tichyapparel.com or find Tichy Apparel, that's T I C H Y A P P A R E L, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. This is a custom quality, one of a kind apparel company that is a sponsor of your Midwesterners. So head over and check them out. Let's kick it off with the NFL and the remaining undefeated teams. It's really easy to talk about because at the top of the list is my Seattle Seahawks and the Midwester sports nerds. Green Bay Packers versus the Pittsburgh Steelers, Tennessee Titans, Kansas City Chiefs, and Buffalo Bills. The Steelers and the Titans are technicality. They're 3-0 as their game was postponed due to COVID-19. So they're 3-0 where all these other teams are 4-0. Russell Wilson, 16 touchdowns, 2 interceptions, 1,285 passing yards for a 75.2% completion rating and an 82.8 quarterback rating. Aaron Rodgers, 13 touchdowns, 0 interceptions, 1,214 yards, 70 and a half percent completion rating, a 92.8 quarterback rating. It is unfortunate for the Midwestern nerds that Aaron Rodgers is having this season this year because he would be the one that they're talking about as MVP if it was not for my Russell Wilson. I mean, the good news is out of your hosts, Midwestern nerds, these are our two teams. These are our two quarterbacks. These so, are two, yeah, absolutely. Very good news. That's the thing. Obviously, the Seattle Seahawks are not from the Midwest. They are my team. I will live and die by them. I will lay on the sword for them every time. You guys need to know that you will get the most sports news from Wisconsin teams and the Seattle Seahawks. <laughs> you will get the Seattle Seahawks, the Green Bay Packers, the Milwaukee Brewers, the Milwaukee Bucks. You will get uh, the Wisconsin Badgers and all these things. But there will always be that outlier, the West Coast team, that is the Seattle Seahawks. In addition to that, Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes look dynamite as well. Injuries and COVID continue to plague the NFL. 
Titans and Steelers got postponed, so they were supposed to play this most recent Sunday, but due to the fact that with some positive tests with uh, the Titans, it got postponed. The Titans were actually put in a position where they were not allowed to conduct any team activities, anything like that, and it was just found out today, so you guys will find that out You know when this comes out, it was a couple days ago, that the Titans were actually conducting full team on-field activities with this COVID ban going on. So they are in deep shit. They're in deep trouble. Why push practice when you know you're going to get in trouble for it? It is what it is. Patriots and Chiefs got moved from Sunday afternoon to Monday night as well. Cam Newton, the starting quarterback for the New England Patriots, tested positive on 10-3. And then today, Stephen Gilmore, the uh, superstar quarterback for the Patriots, tested positive as well. I mean, this is a guy who was in full contact. We could see on Monday night, this guy was embracing Patrick Mahomes, basically the face of the NFL. We don't know what's going to happen. These games continue to get postponed. Games get moved around. Things get changed all the time because of this virus. In my opinion, the league's dead in the water. They're going to continue to flounder and flounder and try to stay above water. I don't think it's going to happen. And I'm a guy who loves football. I love fantasy football. I run fantasy football leagues. I just don't think it's going to happen. I mean, it's like I said last in last week's Chadwack Checkdown. I was bummed that I missed the majority of the first three Packer games because I very much feel the same as you, that I don't think we're going to have too much football going forward. I mean, I was surprised that it took three weeks for positive tests to start coming from these players. I mean, football is arguably one of the most physical and contact sports that's out there. It was surprising that it took three weeks for them to for a positive test to come out it's no surprise that more are coming out now and it's not going to be a surprise if things start to halt or get put on pause i know as of wednesday green bay announced that they're not going to be having any fans at their games indefinitely until things start to turn around with the coronavirus which so. is it's extremely it's extremely responsible and that's what it is and there's going to be people all over the state. Because if you guys didn't know, Wisconsin is literally the heartbeat for the COVID right now. We are the worst of the worst in the country for coronavirus. The Oshkosh area, the Nina area, the Appleton area, the Green Bay area, Milwaukee. We are the worst for increased cases all the time. Not only is the United States the worst country in the world, as far as COVID cases go, but then us being Wisconsin, we're also the worst state. We're the worst of- state in the worst country in the world. And let's just clear things out right now. Your Midwesterners here, Brian and Chad, are mask wearing, hand sanitizing, hand washing people, limited uh, exposure. I click and go. We click and go. We online shop. We don't shop in store. I work in a grocery store and I don't even spend the time in the store to shop. I don't do it. We here on the Midwesterners podcast do everything we can to prevent the spread of this virus. And that ain't political. We just care about all the people around us, sports or otherwise. But while there is still sports and while there is still NFL, we still have fantasy football. And guess what, Brian? I sat down with the Golden Knight this week to get his picks in person. 
nerds, it's time to step aside because this is a kind of fantasy you don't understand. I'm sitting down with the Golden Knight himself to get the booms, busts, and sleepers for this week. Golden Knight, what do you have for us? Thank you for the intro, Chad. My boom this week is Justin Herbert, the QB from the Chargers. This kid loves to throw it and throw it deep. He just went toe-to-toe with Tom Brady, and if not for a mistake by his running back, could have easily won that game. He gets a Saint this week, letting people throw all over them. The cornerbacks have been suspect. Suspect, same as the cornerback from Remember the Titans. And if you all remember that, that's Ryan Gosling. The teenage heart job, <laughs> but he was a suspect and a liability at cornerback, as are the Saints DBs. My bust for this week is Brandon Cooks, wide receiver from Houston. Poor production so far and probably will get worse as Houston just fired their head coach. Folks, Houston is abandoning ship. There is a problem in Houston. Had three targets during a do-or-die game in week four. Houston is giving up. Don't expect much from him going forward. They finally stopped the bleeding. You know, with with Deshaun Watson there and with the talent that they had there, the talent that he decided to ship off in other directions and bring in some really talented players but outdated and past their prime, it, it was time for Bill O'Brien to get out of there and stop the bleeding for that Houston Texans team. Yep, he was playing real-life fantasy. <laughs> My sleeper for this week is Mo Alley-Cox, a tight end from the Colts. Phillip Rivers loves tight ends and former basketball players. He scored the only touchdowns for the Colts last week and was targeted more times down in the red zone. Look for him to get more of those same looks. We're talking Mo Alley-Cox here, same as like an Antonio Gates. Antonio Gates was a monster for the Chargers for years and years and years, and it, it bodes well. It's exactly what you said, tight ends and former basketball players. This is a beautiful boom with Justin Herbert, a bust with Brandon Cooks and a sleeper with Mo Alley-Cox with the Colts. Thank you, Golden Knight, and we look forward to having you on each week. Thank you for having me, sir. And heading over to the NBA, the Lakers are up 3-1 on the Miami Heat. Jimmy Buckets, Butler, he is doing everything he can to keep the Heat in this competition. They're outmatched when the series began. They were not in this to begin with. Personnel, talent-wise, the Lakers had them 10-1. But he continued to fight. He continued to bring these guys in. But unfortunately, because of all the injuries, it's making it a lot harder. With all the injuries, now we see a player in Tyler Harrow, or Hero, or Harrow, whatever his name is. He's actually from Whitnow High School in Greenfield, Wisconsin. Hmm. So, a Wisconsin guy also is the first player ever born in the 2000s to play in the conference finals or the NBA finals. So, a Wisconsin-born native is the first ever 2000s baby to play in the NBA finals. That's pretty sweet. It is pretty sweet, except... He mean-mugged LeBron in the fourth game. So there were 2-1. Two, two, so they, uh, the, the Heat got a win. And they're like, oh, cool, 2-1. We can do it. And then he mean-mugged LeBron. He gave him this lip raise. He's like, what's up? And then now he's the internet laughing stock because he took a huge flop against LeBron that was clearly fake. And now he looks like a chump. That's unfortunate, especially since... LeBron can throw how many fits and nobody bats an eyelash. And yep, LeBum, LeBum, the guy with the worst sportsmanlike conduct of the on the planet. But uh, Tyler Harrow. I thought not. it was that one guy, that hockey guy, who had the worst sportsmanship. Right, Brad Marchand is that? <laughs> oh my god! All right, okay. Call t- back to like episode two. You got me. Brad Marchand <laughs> is much worse than LeBron. Vastly worse. But we're that's two different 
two leagues and two different universes. You said of sports. This. Oh, God. All right, fine. <laughs> All right, sorry I put so much on LeBron. In the NHL, uh, the big thing this week, we talked about the winners of the Stanley Cup last week. The NHL is the draft this week. The number one overall pick went to the Rangers, the left winger Alexis Lafreniere, the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. This guy is what hockey looks like for the future. For your local pick, the Oilers select center Dylan Holloway. A Wisconsin hockey player, the Badgers, from number 14, and your Midwestern nerds pick, Chad, huge Red Wings fan, select Lucas Raymond from Sweden with the number four pick. Again, another thing that is not Wisconsin-based, but is Midwest-based, I'm a huge Red Wings fan, so we're going to get a lot of hate mail this week. If anybody would ever send us any mail, uh, that is, it would be hate mail this week because I'm a Red Wings fan, because Brian, if you didn't know, they are the Yankees of hockey oh yes that makes sense but you said that it had nothing to do with wisconsin but there was a badger pick in there so there you go so we gave you the nfl we gave you the nhl we gave you the nba so check down hip check side check cross check that is your chatelac check down and to start off our best off recommendations this week i just want to say we appreciate you all as listeners to this podcast and we don't want to scare you away by talking about another podcast. So, as you guys would see on our socials, whether on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, we got some serious love from the Rock and Roll Up podcast. This is a podcast that loves rock and roll, loves rock just like we do, loves music like we do, loves podcasting like we do. But they gave us a lot of love on their socials, and we want to give them some love on ours so check them out again they are the rock and roll up podcast you can find them on apple you can find them on spotify they are another anchor product again you can find them on instagram and twitter and facebook the rock and roll up podcast they are some awesome guys they want to give love to other podcasts we want to give love to them so check them out so chad's best stop of the week is the chef show with John Favreau. Season 2 just launched this month. If you guys haven't seen it, The Chef was a movie that John Favreau wrote, directed, and executive produced. Uh, Scarlett Johansson Acted was in it. Acted, he was also in that character in it. Uh, Scarlett Johansson was in it. They had a lot of good pieces. The movie was awesome. And then, with this show that was a Netflix original, it was also a time where John Favreau took the time to really learn how to cook. So Roy Choi, who was the chef, the professional chef, the executive chef, whatever you want to call him, on the movie, actually taught John Favreau how to cook. So the grilled cheese he made in the movie, the fettuccine carbonara he made in the movie, the movie he the food he made on the food truck, all this he learned personally because he wanted to learn it before he actually put it into the movie. He wanted to be the guy making the food. And after the movie was over, he continued to love cooking. So him and Roy Choi basically take each episode and travel week to week. Whether they go somewhere or whether they have people on their show. They have an episode with Bill Burr, the comedian. They have an episode where they have Robert Downey Jr., the Russo brothers, and Tom Holland in an episode. There's an episode where they travel to Skywalker Ranch and they cook there. Wolfgang Puck is on their episode. Chefs like Adam Perry Lang 
Benjamin Jacob, um, other people that we know from the, the movie industry, Gwyneth Paltrow and Dave Filoni, who is a huge part of the Clone Wars and in Avatar The Last Airbender that we talk about. These guys are all on this show cooking, showing their expertise and, and things like that. This show is so much fun. If you love food, if you love movies, if you love TV, if you love whatever John Favreau has ever put out, it is an awesome show to watch. If you haven't delved into it yet, I would highly, highly recommend it. Currently, there are, I think, four volumes for season one, and they just released season two in September. Nice. I checked out the show. I love the movie, first and foremost. If that's not a recommend, uh, best stop recommendation in and of itself, it should be. If you haven't checked this movie out, it's pretty much streaming anywhere. Netflix, Amazon Prime. Do yourself a favor, check it out, and then go and check out the show. Because like Chad said, it's a lot of fun, especially if you love this show. It's kind of like if Martha Stewart was also a nerd and in the nerd universe. So you get the cooking aspect of it, you get the industry aspect of it, you get all your nerd love, you get good food. And they show you how to make all this good food too, which is another plus. Definitely check it out. I have... Two best stops this week. The first one is a continuation of a past recommendation. This week's recommendation is Three Jokers. Issue number two came out last week. It is, like I said, the last time I recommended this. This is your next Batman Joker classic. It continues the story of how are there three Jokers? Why are there three Jokers? We get a lot more development with Batman, Batgirl, and especially Red Hood. This series continues to do a great job of giving nods to the fans who are familiar with all of these backstories, but also doing a good enough job of bringing in a new audience as well. So you could go into the story not reading any Batman at all and still, for the most part, understand what's going on. I want to pause right now on your best stuff. Anyone who is listening, I think anyone who's listening knows either Brian or I well enough that they can have a conversation with us. And you say, hey man, I heard that best stuff about the three Jokers. Come to us and say, hey, what do I need to do to read these th- the three Jokers? We can either loan you our copies of the three Jokers or... We can take you to a place, a magical place, called House of Heroes in Oshkosh, or, and I hate to spin it off of House of Heroes, Powers Comics in Green Bay, if you're north, or if you're down by us. We can get you not only to these comics, we can get you to the base information comics that will give you even more to get into these comics. Like Brian said, you don't need anything to go into this series they give you so much background information in this series but we can give you the information too to love these comics if you find me at work next week and you say i really want to read this series but i want to read everything that led up to it i can give you the five books that i know will lead you into it and then i can get you to these two bring cash bring an open mindset i will take you to the right comic book store and we will get you everything you need for your batman love Absolutely. So, like I said, this is part two of a three-parter. Issue two just came out last week. 
I know House of Heroes still has copies of issue two, and I believe they have some copies yet of issue one. If it comes down to it, I'm sure Chad or I would be more than happy to lend you our copies if it came down to it, but we will definitely put you in the right direction for this story and any background information that you want to know on the story before jumping in as well. And my last best stop of the week is kind of a spooky theme. We are in the spooky month of October, Halloween. We're more than likely going to be bringing in more best stop recommendations that follow the spooky theme. So I wanted to kick it off with an album, a music album that dives into the spooky theme head on. The Casper the Friendly Ghost movie soundtrack. No. This is like this is like the exact opposite of that. This is a heavier band, a metal band called Ice Nine Kills. They came out with an album last year called The Silver Scream. And the fantastic thing about this album is each song on this album is based off of a horror movie. A classic. A classic horror horror movie. movie. So you got a song from Nightmare on Elm Street. You got a song about Halloween. You got a song about Friday the 13th. You got a song about Jaws. You even get songs like Edward Scissorhands. Halloween spooky-ish theme. More or less, though, the main thing is all of these are based and themed around classic horror movies. And if you're not a heavy metal fan like Chad, if screaming's not your thing, there's more to this music than just the screaming. And they don't scream all the time. There are some songs where they don't. There are chunks of songs where they don't. But the lyrics, again tie into all these themes of these movies you get a lot of references and a lot of call outs to these and also just the instrumentals themselves the jaws song the guitar breakdown is the and like along with the guitars and all like the, the drums and everything that you would expect out of like a heavy metal band you also get my favorite you get strings and you get some orchestral music to tie in those um, themes and elements from those classic movies as well. Don't just lie down on this this band because Brian says they scream. If you want, if you are like, no, I'm not going to get into it if they're scream, get a hold of Brian, get a hold of your Midwestern nerds. Brian will set you up with the specific songs that you can love that are not all scream, that are orchestral, that are music-based, that are singing-based. That's the same thing he did for me. He turned me on to this music years ago, and he goes, I know what you like. I know this isn't what you like. Try 3, 7, 9, 14, 1, 2, and 7. That's what he did. And I'm like, yes, I'm into it. Check out Grave Mistake. It's the song based off the movie The Crow. There's no screaming in it at all. You'll get a kind of vibe of what this album is from that song. From there, I would suggest going into the It song. It's the last track on the album. Also features instruments from Less Than Jake. So you get the horns and the saxophones and all that stuff. That one screams a little bit, but again, kind of gets you more into what to expect from this album. And then from there, I would just suggest listening to the rest of it. 
So to wrap it all up, the band is Ice Nine Kills. The album is The Silver Scream. Check out the tracks Grave Mistake and check out the It track to kind of get a taste and feel for this album. From there, you can just explore the rest of it. Love it, hate it, appreciate some of it, dislike some of it. I love it for what it is, and I recommend it all to you as well. So this week, we've given you some nerd, some sport, some spooky. But after it's all said and done, we are the Midwestern Nerds. We are at Twitter, at Instagram, MidwesternNerds at gmail.com. We're the Midwestern Nerds podcast on Facebook. And Midwestern Nerds, again, is M-I-D-W-E-S-T-E-R-N-E-R-D-S. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cash, Radio Public, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and amazon music please rate us please give us your stars please give us your reviews we look forward to providing you guys with content every week we look forward to getting together every week and nerding out and we're glad that you guys can be here and nerd out with us we are in the month of october or spooktober as people call it and trust me there's a lot more spooky stuff to come and whether it's beer Brats, comics, or pops, keep Keep it nerdy. nerdy.